Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're listening to Let's Talk Jets Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another special episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts, Tyson Roush, and want to welcome to welcome you to a Sunday night special show where we're going to recap the Jets draft, which is which has been heralded by many as an A plus draft or an A draft. So we have a lot to talk about. Ron Pickett's going to be joining us tonight. So without further ado, I will introduce my very special and the man of the people, Joe from Long Beach. <laughs> What's up, man? <laughs> How's it going, Tice, man? I'm excited, man, with the draft just being done. It's just, I thought it was a solid draft, man. I can't wait to talk to everybody about it, man. Let's go. Yeah, it is. You know, it, it, what's reassuring is, you know, Mike McCagnin said a lot of things heading into a draft about competition and depth and staying true to your board and things like that. And when you walk away from this draft, it, his first with the New York Jets, you have to be impressed. I mean, he navigated up and down. He traded up. He traded down. And Every pick had a rhyme or reason behind it. Like it wasn't like last year where you took a player, you're like, all right, I could see why. Like just say Jalen Saunders for an example, you had to try to find and make a case for the guy. Where this year it was like you took the pick, like all right, that makes sense. I could see the need, I could see the fit. I mean, was that your feeling as well, Joe? Absolutely. Um, you know, he hit a home run in the first round. I mean, that 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 fell to him, but he did what he needed to do. He took what I thought was the best player on the board. And from then on, he just kept things moving. And like you said, he was able to manipulate up and down the draft. He was able to get a, some guys in here, he took some picks, um, got some guys uh, later rounds that I think could be decent as well, or at least possibly contribute. So I, I think he did a solid, solid, solid job. And a lot of his picks, like you said, make, made a lot of sense. Those were picks that just holes that we needed filled. He addressed. He also addressed, you know, other positions as well and kept competition going. So I, I think he did a solid job. Yeah, I do. I mean, I think there is still one hole that he did not address, but that's something that we'll come back to. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is the other refreshing thing was that 
you know, one of Rex Ryan's things was he always talked. And every time we drafted somebody, the guy like DeMario Davis was an X-Ray Lewis or all of these ridiculous comparisons and kind of set the expectations kind of high for the player, like almost too high where the fans instantly bought into it. What I loved about McCagney and Bowles, they didn't really do that. They gave credit where credit was due, but they didn't, said, they didn't set expectations where it was like, all right, this guy's going to be a perennial pro bowler starting tomorrow. It was like, listen, this guy's got value. He's exciting. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Or, you know, I think the only comparison was with Smith, with Mike Wallace. But th- that was really it. And it was like, I mean, for me, that was a refreshing change where it's a very business, business-like approach. It, it's, you know, they're, they're focused, they're organized and professional. And there's not a lot of nonsense with these guys. Yeah, extremely. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that, like I said before, I think people, you know, when they talk about Rex, just like you said, they think it's, you know, it's a lot of clown stuff, a lot of circus stuff, putting big expectations out there. I just think that's part of Rex's coaching style and his motivation style. Um, but this this was definitely a well-welcome change. Uh, a lot of, like you said, very business-like, very heat and tied briefcase. I'm going to come in. I'm going to, you know, make the picks I need to make. I'm going to get the guys in here that have value on them. And I'm going to put them in positions where they can succeed. So I'm excited about it, and I thought it was a solid move and a solid draft. They're really stepping up and moving forward. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, I mean, before we're waiting for Ron Pickett, who's going to be joining us to break down the draft with us, is, you know, when they drafted Leonard Williams or they drafted, you know, the receiver, everybody automatically is like, all right, we got Devin Smith. Now let's trade Jeremy Curley. All right, we got Williams. Now we got to trade Muhammad Wilkerson. Or we got to trade Damon Harris. We always got to train somebody. And it's like, hold on a second. What is wrong with having talent? Like, what is is an abundance of talent against the rules in the NFL? Like, is it is it wrong to have four good receivers instead of three? Like, it, it's funny, Joe. Is like, why wait? Why are we all of a sudden trying to trade guys away? It's taken us this long to get a good receiving core. Why all of a sudden do you want to get rid of one of them? You know, was that your take, too? I'm like, just because we drafted a good receiver or a potentially good receiver, Jeremy Crowe's not in the block. He just got signed. They signed him for a reason. He's going to still be here. Now we have four weapons instead of three, and then you add tomorrow, it's five. But it's like, do you find that funny or is it just me? I think it's hilarious. I, you know, I kind of stay away from social media a little bit. Some fans really get a little carried away. They think football is like Madden, where you can just run one guy all the time, and you can turn off. <laughs> you can turn off uh, the tired the tired stick on him, and he he'll never get tired, and you can just run him all day. Football, especially NFL football, it, and winning 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 in in the playoffs or winning the Super Bowl, you know those things. You have to have depth at position, and if you can yep. get depth and you can get quality guys to come behind starters, that's why guys like Lejay Dusable are extremely important. That's why guys like Harrison are extremely important. That's why guys like T.J. Barnes are extremely important. Because Muhammad Wilkinson is not going to be on the field every single play of every single game <laughs> all throughout the game. No, he's going to have to sit on the bench for, you know, maybe a play or two or drive. He's going to have to get a blow. He's going to be tired. Well, what's the guy that you can bring in and have in there while he's gone? Well, you can bring in a Williams now, and you can put him in those positions. Now, am I saying that he is Muhammad Wilkinson? No. But this is a kid that's extremely talented, and we've shown him that he was dominant in college, and he can move things around and be successful in this defense. So why wouldn't you keep him? And just like you said, Devin Smith is the same thing. Well, we got Devin Smith. Goodbye, Jeremy Curley. No, that doesn't mean Jeremy Curley's gone. That just means you added a weapon to the team. That doesn't mean you get rid of a guy that's been successful here too. So I, you can say the same thing about Bryce. Bryce is here now. Bryce Teddy's here. Oh, well, goodbye, Gino. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's calm down a little bit here, okay? That's, this is not the way things work. We, we just need to see how we're doing, 
add these guys uh, to the team, add them, add them to the team as weapons, and work them out. And we can keep it moving. We don't have to get rid of guys. I, I think that's a crazy, just a crazy analysis and idea by some fans. I agree. And the one thing is, you know, the, the added talent and the added depth is going to bring more competition at the bottom of the roster. So when you add a Smith, it's guys like Powell, sorry, Walt Powell, like TJ Graham, Chris Owozu, all these guys, Salim McKeem, all these kind of guys are going to be fighting for positions. I mean, the bottom of the roster, you know, even with Leonard Williams now, like you mentioned, Doosable, you know, TJ Barnes could be could be on the hot seat now. There's, you know, there's other guys now that all the bottom of the roster guys or all these young guys that are being inherited by Mike McCagnan, they're on the hot seat now. So instead of looking to trade Jeremy Curley or Wilkerson or Harrison or Copels or whoever else, I think I think you'll see some surprising cuts. But I think it's more of the younger guys or more of the bottom roster or middle-tier guys than it's going to be a top-level guy. And, you know, and the one thing we, you know, we can touch on it now, I guess, is you know, the Jets traded for Zach Stacy, um, you know, a seventh-round pick for Zach Stacy to help address the running back position. And, and I had two thoughts right off the bat. The first thing was Zach Stacy wanted to leave St. Louis because of playing time and carries. They drafted Todd Gurley. He's like, you know what, I want out. I want reps. Well, guess what? He's coming to the same friggin' situation with the New York Jets. He's coming to a place where there's three running backs in place that are going to be playing. So initially, I don't know, understand how he's going to be necessarily happy coming here when he's coming into the same situation. The second thing is the Jets' biggest need was an explosive running back, a dynamic playmaker out of the backfield. He's not that. He's similar to what we already have. I mean, so I understand the need to get him. You're acquiring talent. I, res- I respect that. It's a seventh-round pick. I understand that. For me, it, it didn't really address a need that we had. He's similar to what we have. And based on his complaints or his unhappiness in St. Louis, it's very similar here in New York, Joe, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, you, can, you can definitely say that. I think when you look at Zach Stacey, you got to look at – he had an extremely uh, productive rookie year. And I think that that's what Chan and, and, and McCagney sat down and probably talked about it before he traded again. And, and that's what they're going off of. Is he a feedback? No. Is he a guy that's going to – you know, blow your doors off of the street, absolutely not. But I think he's kind of a Swiss Army knife guy. Where you can you can have him, you know, run swing routes and different things like that and get him open. And he can catch the ball at the backfield, too. Um, he's also a solid runner, too. And, and I think so that's Bilal Powell. what they're going with. I think, yeah, Bilal, you're right, correct. Bilal Powell is there. But what I was about to get to was this is competition at the position. If you look at everything that they preach, they preach, we're going to have competition at the position. It's not like they gave up. Uh, a second-round pick or a first-round pick for the guy. It was a seventh-round pick. You're giving up basically nothing for the dude. So if you want to bring in Zach Stacey, you want to kick the tires on him and bring him in for a seventh-round pick, then fine, do it. I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I mean, Blau Powell, and we've talked about it multiple times. I had my draft. I was looking at TJ Yeldon to bring in to shake things up and get a, you know, see what we can get out of him. But if they decided Zach Stacey was the way to go, do I think he's, to solve it to us not having a feedback or a change of pace back? No, because that's not what he is. But it's still competition at the position, and it's still a guy that could be solid, and we could kick the tires and actually get something out of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could see that. Like, listen, I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying if you want to if you want to be you know objective and look at the whole team, look at each position, I saw the move, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this. it, it just didn't. I was like, oh, okay, cool. We got him. He has value. 
but he's coming into the, he's leaving a situation that he didn't want to be in to be in the same exact situation, and I think he's similar to what we have. But we'll go into that later on. We're going to bring on our special guest right now. It's a good friend of the show, a good friend of ours, and uh, it's Ron Pickett, who's a you know a football coach, a scout. He's helped us extensively break down the draft before it. So, Ron, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. What's up, man? Hey guys, how you doing? Doing awesome, man. How you doing? Doing well. I uh, I'm very happy with uh, the way things turned out for the Jets in this draft. What is your overall assessment? Were you impressed by McCagnan and how he like moved up, moved down, how he managed his draft? Yeah, I think you know we're we're so accustomed to either having not enough picks or in, incompetent selections that it's kind of hard to see that you know, this is the way a draft kind of is supposed to be. You know, ideally we would have a couple more picks, but um, you know, we don't, you know, we, we weren't able to do that. Um, but we moved around a little bit. We got some, uh, we got some, um, you know, quality players. Um, you know, we traded it around here and there. So it, it was, uh, you know, overall, I think he did a good job. We'll start. We'll go pick by pick and just start. You know, like just say, you know, what your thoughts are. You know, Leonard Williams fell into the Jets' hand, and you know, for everybody, from I mean, it was a gift from the football gods. I mean, the guy's probably considered by many to be the best player overall in the draft. But the the issue was that he's also in an area that we already have a strength at. What's your take on Williams and the fit with the Jets? <clears throat> well, I think one thing that you know Leonard Williams you know does for the you know for the Jets is that. He just continued, you know, they continue to improve on that defensive line. There's, there's a lot of question marks as to Mo, Muhammad Wilkerson's future. Um, you know, he, he just, he's going to give them another weapon out there. He's, you know, Todd Bowles is going to be moving those guys in and out, keeping fresh legs throughout the entire game. He's going to be able to get pressure from the middle. He can get pressure uh, from the outside. So, you know, he does give a lot of versatility to the Jets. And, um, you know, when you watch him on film, He's virtually unblockable. Uh, you know, he, he's got great moves. He's quick. He's got a great burst off the line. Um, he's got a tremendous work ethic. So, you know, I, I have no problem with it. And, you know, and you know, a lot of people, including myself, felt that he was the best player in the entire draft. And the fact that he fell to six, the Jets couldn't pass him up. I agree. Now, the thing is, you know, when you have him in place, you, ha- you have, like you said, you have Wilkerson, you know, Richardson, Harrison, all these guys. You know, initially people said, okay, we'll go to a 4-3. The Jets don't have the linebackers to go to a 4-3, in my opinion. Is that your take as well? Yeah, you know, the Jets don't have a true uh, will linebacker who, you know, can do a little bit of everything, a little pass rush, a lot of coverage. Um, they don't have somebody like that. They have bigger, you know, um, you know, bigger outside linebackers who, you know, they, they kind of, you know, they struggle in coverage, but they're going to be, you know, rushing the passer. Um, you know, they have veterans out there. I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think that, um, you know, I don't think that that suits them. I think you will see some four, four man fronts, no doubt. Um, you know, I just don't think that they can go there, uh, for the, you know, consistently, I think you'll see it against certain teams. I think you'll see it in certain down situations, but, uh, yeah, like you said, they don't have the personnel to be able to do a four, three. Okay, Ron, can you talk to us about Devin Smith, uh, our pick in the second round? What do you believe that he brings to the table for the Jets? Uh, well, something that this offense has lacked, and, you know, we saw a little bit of it last year, um, you know, when, with Percy Harvin, was he, he gives the Jets a speed deep threat. Um, you know, 
one of the things that I really, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Devin Smith just because, you know, of his production, his lack of route running and stuff like that. But he did show at the combine, his pro day, that he can run, um, you know, other routes. And when you watch him on film, he wasn't just a nine route. You know, when, when you're able to watch, um, you know, a film of the entire field, you could see the routes he ran. And does he need a little bit of work? Absolutely. But what he gives the Jets is that deep threat to take the top off the defense. And let me tell you, I, I mean, I, I scout, again, I'm a, a wide receivers coach. That's my favorite position to scout. There's not a guy in the draft who is better at tracking a deep ball uh, than Devin Smith. And, and one thing that Geno Smith does very well is throw a deep ball. So, you know, he, he's going to help out tremendously in that aspect. Could be a little frustrating in terms of production for his first year. I think that what he, he'll do is he'll stretch the field and he'll open up things for Brandon Marshall and, you know, Curley and Eric Decker. But, um, yeah, he gives them the, that dynamic player that they've, you know, we've been looking for uh, for this offense. Oh, that's an extremely good uh, take on Devin Smith there. I was wondering, what are your thoughts about – if we would have took Jalen Strong at that pick, would you have been happy with that as well? You know, I really like Jalen Strong. I do. I, I just think that he was more of a possession receiver. He, well, he will become more of a possession receiver. I think he landed in a good spot in Houston, um, ironically, with the, the pick that the Jets traded for. Um, but I think Jalen Strong is kind of in the same mold, you know, in terms of his Possession, you know, catching, he's going to be like an Eric Decker. Maybe he could have been like the heir apparent. But, um, you know, I have no problem with the Jets adding the most dynamic receiver on the board at the time uh, in the second round. And I think that, you know, he's he's got decent size. I think he can do a lot of what Percy Harvin can do. Just, you know, let's knock on wood that he stays healthier than uh, Percy Harvin would. Ron, I, I have two questions about Devin Smith. The first one is, do you do you see a comparison with him and Deshaun Jackson? Uh, I do. I just think, you know, it, it's a little, it's a little far-fetched. I mean, you know, you, you comparing anybody to Deshaun Jackson, you know, is kind of difficult because he, you know, those type of guys don't come around very often. But one thing I do think that, you know, I think people see in him is that he does have that playmaking ability down the field. Um, he's a little heavier than Deshaun Jackson. He's about 20 pounds heavier. I think he's more physical of a player. Um, and he's got like an angry toughness to him that I'm not so sure Deshaun Jackson has. But, uh, you know, I think what where people get that comp from is that, you know, he's a very strong cutter uh, He's he, and he finishes very well at the end of a catch. So those are the type of things that, you know, I think maybe that's why people compare him to Deshaun Jackson. And, you know, if you watch film and the, uh, one of his one of the best plays he made was uh, the Odell Beckham catch before Odell Beckham even did it. Um, he, you know, he's able to pluck the ball out of the air. He's got great hands. Um, he does catch the ball in his body a little bit, but that's because he is going on a lot of vertical routes. So, you know, don't let that uh, fool you in terms of that he doesn't have good hands. That's fair enough. And the other question I had for you regarding this pick was, what would you, what did you take on Tyler Lockett? Would you rather have had Tyler Lockett instead of Devin Smith? I think, I think that you know, that uh, Tyler Lockett does bring a little bit more to the table because I'm not so sure Devin Smith is going to return kicks and Tyler Lockett can. Um, I just think that at that time, you know, when, when the Jets picked that Devin Smith was the best wide receiver that was available, um, you know, the, him and Jalen Strong to me were very close. And I think that's what they decided to do. You know, I have no problem with it. I, I'd see Tyler Lockett as more of a, uh, a quicker and faster Jeremy Curley. 
Uh, Devin Smith is somebody who can be a very dynamic player at the next level. I think Tyler Lockett is going to be, you know, he's quick, he's fast, but I, I, I see Devin Smith as more of a vertical threat. Fair enough. And the the next round, round three, they they picked one of the guys that you I know you coveted and raved about was Lorenzo Malden from Louisville. You even texted me about it, so I have it on, I have a file of it. Um, before we go into the pick itself, were you surprised the Jets traded back and didn't take a guy like Duke Coleman or Eli Harold? Um, you know, I think I think that what they saw was you know they they saw the value in the trade. I think that they realized what you know what they what they were going to get. You know, they moved back, uh, what was it, 12, 12 spots? Yeah, they moved back 12 spots, you know, to to grab him. And, you know, I, listen, I have no problem with it. They needed a linebacker. You know, maybe, maybe they felt that, you know, with Tevin Coleman on the board, you know, maybe, you know but, you know, like maybe the, at that point, you know, you got to remember that they were probably talking to St. Louis already um, in regards to Zach Stacy because of Todd Gurley's situation. So, you know what I would have loved for them to do is grab Duke Johnson there, but again, you know they were, you know, they were probably talking to uh, St. Louis and trying to figure out engage their their interest. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then when they figured out they may have an opportunity and Houston called for that pick, you know, the Jets got four players basically for one, one pick, and they moved back 12 spots and got a very, very strong pass rusher um, that I think, you know, with his character and, and the way he, you know, his his tough family life brought up, I think he's going to be a fan favorite. Now, what do you see him, him you see him playing as an outside linebacker or like a pass rusher? How do you, what do you, how do you see him filling a role in Todd Bowles' defense? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the type of guy who you put in in coverage. You know, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to do that. But he's got a, an unbelievable motor. He's got a crazy passion for the game. He's going to be one of those guys who, you know, is going to be a pain in the neck to block. Um, you know, he's got to learn a little bit better how to defend the run. Um, you know, one of my favorite games watching Lorenzo Malden was uh, was Florida State. So he was able to get pressure as, you know up the middle on loop stunts and stuff on Jameis Winston. He sacked him two or three times. Uh, you know, it, it was good to see because he was going against the top-notch offensive line, and he was able to penetrate and get to the quarterback. So, you know, for that, you know, that told me that, you know, he's got smooth strides, he's got top-end speed, you know, off the edge. And, um, you know, the, the thing with him that I loved is that, you know, I love flexible outside linebacker DNs, and, you know, he's very flexible. He's able to bend. No, I, I just really like the pick, and I know that, you know, the Jets are very excited that he was there. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this kid, you know, progressing. I think that he can be uh, he can be somebody, you know, 
maybe next year in, in, in a, a pass rushing role, and then maybe his his role expands as he goes on. The next guy that the Jets took off the board, Bryce Petty, I was kind of high on him. I thought he was the third best uh, quarterback in the draft. What are your thoughts on him, man? Well, you know, my my concerns, you know, prior to the draft were that that Bryce Petty had a, had a, you know an injury history and you know the back injuries and the concussions and things like that, and, and you know those still bode true. You know, I'm I'm a little worried, but you know, I think that the way the Jets handled it yesterday was was perfect, and I'm I'm not used to you know, as Jet fans, you're not used to seeing that, you know, the guys who are in charge saying, listen, he's got a long ways to go. We understand he needs to develop. We're going to let him go and, and take his time through it. And, you know, we'll let him go at his own pace. And, and that's what you really have to do with Bryce Petty because the, the measurables and, and all the intangibles are there. He's a smart kid, a hard worker, big time arm, tremendous body for, you know, an NFL quarterback type body, you know, but he's going to have to learn, had to run a real offense. I mean, that Baylor offense is a one-read system, and, you know, a lot of times with him, he's, he's looked at his first read, and when that wasn't open, he pulled it down, and it, it caused, you know, a lot of sacks. So he's going to have to learn, um, you know, pretty much from scratch. He's going to have to learn how to go under the center. You know, his footwork needs some work. As, you know, even Todd Bowles said it yesterday. But those are the type of things that if you give him a redshirt year, two years, you know, He's, he's going to put pressure on Geno Smith because he's there. He's going to put pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's there. But I really do think that he's going to be battling more with Matt Sims for that third quarterback spot, hold the clipboard this year, really learn nuances of the game and how to be an NFL quarterback. And in the future, you know, maybe he develops into a, a competent starter. Absolutely. And, and everything that you said with your analysis is exactly what I thought as well. Um, he's a guy that has tools and a, a guy that I believe that could turn out to be a solid a solid pick here, but we as fans and, and this fan base and even some of the media need to back up just a little bit. I even saw fans kind of talking about, Absolutely. yeah, Bryce is here, time to get rid of Geno Smith, time to get rid of these guys. He's going to be our immediate starter. We need to get Bryce Petty out of here. I, I don't think that's necessarily what needs to be done at all, and I think people need to calm down. Can you kind of talk about that fanfare? Can you kind of talk about what this is going to do with Geno Smith and how this is going to push him to elevate this game? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think that, you know, Geno Smith kind of sees that, you know, obviously he wasn't, you know, Mike McCagnan or Todd Bowles' quarterback. So now they have their own guy. And I think that that's going to put a lot of pressure on him. You know, they put their name behind Bryce Petty, and they're going to make sure that he grows and, and builds into a quarterback. And I think, you know, the the thing that it'll – how it'll affect Geno Smith is that Geno's going into his third year, you know, and, and next year – uh, uh, this upcoming year, meaning 2015, 2016, is going to be a tremendous year for Geno. He's got to take strides in the next step, uh, you know, in the right direction. And if he doesn't, you know, they'll they'll look to move on and go to Bryce Petty. You know, and Geno's thinking he's got to think, oh, they just brought this kid in. I, I got to step up my game if I want to stay here. You know, and, and make make them make the decision on keeping Bryce Petty as my career backup. You know, that's the way I was I would look at it if I was Geno Smith, and I'm hoping he does the same. Yeah, I think I think the guy that's going to give Geno Smith the competition is Fitzpatrick. That should have motivated him, if anybody. Um, the the next the next pick in round five, the Jets picked Jarvis Harrison for Texas A&M guard. What's your thoughts on him? The, the early report was work ethic and weight issues. Yeah, the Jets, the Jets had a had a big issue with. Um, well, no, I shouldn't say the Jets. I should say that Jarvis Harrison has a big. Hello, can you hear me? You're good, Ron. 
Okay. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm hearing like three conversations here. I think I think we just lost him, Joe. Um, you know, it's interesting oh. that the, the the one thing that was interesting was that you know with Bryce Petty, it's like Geno Smith, his biggest competition. It's somebody's going to give him a kick in the tail and say, "Hey, you know, you're it's going to be motivating." It's Ryan Fitzpatrick because Ryan Fitzpatrick has familiarity with Chan Gailey. He's, he's been successful in the NFL before. That's going to motivate Geno Smith. Bryce Petty's not going to do that for him. You know, it's just funny. Like you mentioned that. It's like, oh, Bryce is going to scare Geno. No, he's not. Fitzpatrick scared Geno. He if, he, if anybody's going to motivate him to play harder, for me, Brian, Bryce Petty at best is going to be a third-string guy this year. He's going to beat out Matt Sims just because, you know, Matt Sims was kind of inherited. And then maybe next year you kind of see what happens with him. But I don't think – to think he's going to play this year, Joe, to me I think is, is kind of crazy. Absolutely. And what's what's crazy is this, when I talk to some fans about the pick of Bryce Petty, that, that was exactly, that's exactly what they were saying. And they were totally just forgetting that we even had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like he didn't even exist anymore. <laughs> like yep. he, he wasn't signed. He wasn't rehabbing. He wasn't training with us. He didn't know the scheme. He wasn't familiar with Chan Gailey. He wasn't successful in his system. Like, none of that even existed anymore. It was just Geno and Bryce. Those, those are the only two quarterbacks that we had. And I, and I, and I totally agree with that. And, and exactly what Ron said as well. You know, uh, it, this, this is Geno's time. It's Geno's time to shine, okay? He needs to work to get better. But if he slips up, Bryce, I don't think, is going to be the guy that's going to take his spot. It's going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick. That guy's going to come yep. in there and push you aside and say, hey, I'm here to do what needs to be done, and I'm the quarterback for the team now. And you'll be on that bench because I've been successful in this scheme. I know it up and down. I, I know it like the back of my hand. And I, and I know where the balls need to go and how to make the calls. And I know what, what needs to be done out there. And I've been uh, a starting quarterback in this league before, and I'm a pro, and I've shown it. So I, I don't think that Bryce Petty is the threat, but I do think that if he sits on that bench long enough, and learns with that clipboard and gets his mechanics together and his footwork together, I think he could be the steal of the draft. And I think he could be a guy that could start for us. I was high on him. I'm still high on him. And I'm glad that we took him. And I, I want to see him succeed for sure. Yeah, the thing is, and the one thing I just don't want to see is fans go in the training camp, Gino throws a pick, and it's like, oh, free Petty. Play Bryce Petty. <laughs> and you know it's going to happen. And I don't want to see the media do it. I mean, it, Every analyst you hear from is saying he's a project. He's going to need time to learn the speed of the game, all of these things. So as a fan base, let's be a little bit more intelligent and recognize what we have. If Geno struggles, it's going to be Fitzpatrick. Petty's probably not playing this year, and I'm fine with that. I mean, it's a pick for the future, and I'm fine with that. But let's not close the story over a guy that's not going to play. I mean, let's – you know, I just – and Ron's back with us again, but – Ron, we were kind of talking about just the whole fan base. It's just like, you know, Bryce Petty's a project. Let's not hear after Geno's first pick, you know, free Petty, play Petty, all this other nonsense. Yeah, I apologize, guys. I had some computer issues. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat. You know, the fans have to understand, that, and I think, you know, they have to come to the realization that Bryce Petty was picked in the fourth round for a reason. Uh, he's a developmental, you know, project. And if they want to have a successful franchise quarterback, they're either going to have to, you know, let Geno work his way out and show that he can improve, or if Geno does terrible this year, they look to Bryce, you know, Bryce Petty in the future, or they look to draft another guy. I mean, the, the thing is that the fans have to be patient. Okay, you have you got to remember that Geno Smith has maybe a week of running this offense more than Bryce Petty. That's it. So you, they have to yep. be patient about this stuff. And, you know, when, when training camp rolls around, 
I really strongly think that it's going to be, like you said before, it's going to be a competition between Geno and Fitzpatrick. It's not going to be a competition between Geno and Bryce Petty. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And and to go back to Jarvis Harrison, you know, like everywhere you read, it's like you know he, he's a he's a guard, but it's like there was some questions about his work ethic, questions about can he control his weight, things like that. So as a prospect, Ron, how do how do you evaluate him? Well, you know, I, you know, taking that part aside, as, as far as a football player, um, you know, he's he's a huge dude, man. He he's big, he's physical at the point of attack, like I was saying late uh, before. He's very. He's got agile footwork. He does show some agility, um, and this, you know he has the potential. The problem is, like you said, is he gonna? Does he love football? Now, there was talk that he, he may like basketball more than football. Now that's a problem. But here's the thing that people need to understand is that the Jets have veteran linemen, starters, and backups all over this roster. These are guys that he can that they could take him under their wing and say, listen, this is how you do things. You don't do things here. You're done. You're going to be working somewhere else. So I think that having the, that veteran leadership, you know, Nick Mangold and Brick and, you know, Willie Colon even, you know, being there, uh, James Carpenter, those are the type of guys that are going to help this kid understand that, hey, listen, this is how the NFL works. This is how you have to work. And if you don't want to work, they're not going to even give you a chance. Those are the type of things that, you know, you do worry about. But at the same time, hopefully, you know, using the uh, – the Jets veterans to your advantage. Yes, Ron, I have a, I have a question about Jarvis Harrison as well. I'm wondering, this, you know, if you read a lot of scout analysts about him, they talk about the fact that he has short arms. Is that something that he'll have to get over in the league? And how exactly can he work on that? To Does he have to take angles? Is there anything that he can do to make that work for him? Yeah, you know what's funny about Jarvis Harrison is that early on, you know, in this career, they kind of moved him around the Texas A&M. So they put him at tackle. And what happened was, you know, I, I think that it didn't work out for them because his arms were only 33 and a half uh, long, inches long. So I think that what they did was they moved him into guard thinking, you know, he's got shorter hands, you can keep him inside more. But the problem is, it, it, the weirdest thing about him is that he has short arms and he has a tremendous wingspan. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's kind of like he's like, you know, he's got the wingspan of a tackle, but his arms are so short. It's, it's very confusing to me, but I, I really do think that, you know, can he kick out to left tackle? He, he might, you know, in a, in a couple of years if he if he turns his work ethic around. But I think as of now, you know, he's a guard. The, the short arm part, 33 and a half for a guard, is not a big issue. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the team embraces him because this is what's going to happen. You know, with Todd Bowles talking about accountability and all that stuff, working hard, this is the type of guy who – if the veterans are following Todd Bowles, they're gonna they're gonna rub off on this on Jarvis Harrison. Absolutely, that that's a good take on him. I was wondering, what are your thoughts about Deion Simon, uh, our seventh round pick? Well, I think he's you know he's a developmental type uh, nose tackle. You know, you got to remember that the the issues are you know Damon Harrison, you know he signs his his tender. Um, and, and T.J. Barnes is still kind of an unknown. So, you know, I think that what they'll do is they'll try to mold Deion Simon into becoming that, that run-stopping nose tackle uh, for the future. And, you know, if they re-sign David Harrison, well, they're great. He gives, you know, he gives you good depth. But he's one of those guys who's going to need a little bit of work. Um, you know, he, he's, he's had a whole bunch of injuries. Um, so, he's, you know, he's going to need some time. He does do a very good job attracting the run, 
And if that's what Todd Bowles wants in his nose tackles, and that's what you always want in a three-four defense, um, you know, that's somebody. You know, Simon is a guy who you get, you take a chance on in the seventh round, and you know, develop him and see what he becomes. Absolutely. There, there was a lot of people that, that when we took him, they were like, oh, goodness, another D lineman. Are there any positions that you felt like we could have targeted there in the seventh round with some guys that were kind of on the fringe that we could have possibly addressed the needs and maybe got a steal out of there? Well, I think, you know, going into the draft, I thought that one of the biggest needs for the for the team were, uh, you know, they needed, they needed pass rushers, they needed outside linebackers, they needed some offensive linemen. I thought that they should have addressed the inside linebacker position. Um, which they, you know, they did in, in undrafted free agency, but they didn't do in the draft. And believe it or not, one of the guys who I thought was a steal in the seventh round was Bryce Hager uh, from Baylor, who got picked with the pick that the Jets traded away. So, um, you know, I think that they could have addressed that there in the seventh. You know, there were you know a couple of running backs on the board. You know, that uh, Mario Alfred was out there. He, you know, he could, re- could have returned kicks. Um, at the least, at the very least. So I think that there was a, there was other directions to go, uh, but you know, listen, I trusted Mike McCagnan that he realized that this is the best rated player at the, to the position in need, and uh, you know, and they they got in there, and hopefully in a couple of years we'll see that it was a good decision. Yeah, something that you talked about was kind of the unsigned guys, un, un, undrafted free agents that are just out there. A lot of people forget about that. I'm wondering, who are your top unsigned free agents right now? Well, you know, a couple of the guys that, that actually, believe it or not, that the Jets picked up, um, you know, I, I was very pleased with. Um, you know, Taiwan Jones from Michigan State, the inside linebacker, he, he kind of is in the same mold as David Harris. He's, he's one of those, you know, he's going to smack you in the face type of linebackers. Um, you know, he doesn't really understand the position that much as far as you know how to how to you know get through the line. He just kind of he's almost like a he's almost like an offensive lineman. He just runs right through somebody, you know, rather than find the clear. But um, you know he he was one of my favorites. I thought Thorell Etheridge was another great pickup because he's very raw as a deep center field safety for Syracuse. Uh, I thought maybe he should go back to school for one more year and, and develop a little bit. But there's your there's your center fielder um, that you hope. Can you know progress under the, you know under the tutelage of the guys they have in, in on the roster already and, and the coaching staff, and then maybe there's your you know the center fielder that everybody was begging for. There's you know one, one of the guys who are, you know now that they took Bryce Petty, um, you know obviously this was out of the question, but one of my favorite undrafted free agents was Brandon Bridge, and I believe I just heard that he signed with the Cowboys. I think um, you know another guy with a tremendous arm. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of potential. It reminds me a little bit of Colin Kaepernick in terms of his, his body uh, and his rifle arm. Ron, the one question I have for you is, you know, going into this draft, we were kind of hoping to get an explosive running back out of the backfield, a you know, guy that can catch the ball, and you know, once he gets past the line of scrimmage, he can take it, you know, go 30, 40 yards and scoot. What's your take on the Zach, Tracy, uh, Zach Stacy move? Did we lose him again? I think we lost him again. All right. Well, Joe, we'll go on. What we're going to do, Joe, is we're going to go on. To, we have a bunch of callers on the line, so we're going to go to our first caller, who I'm, obviously everybody wants to talk draft right now, so we're going we're to go to Kyle. So, Kyle, this – hold on one second here. Got Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man? 
place in Joe. It's always a pleasure to speak to you guys. I'm doing very well. What's up, man? What's on your mind? I'm uh, very pleased with the draft overall. Um, yeah, my brother, who's a big-time Buffalo Bills fan, so obviously he you know, never really wants to say anything good about the Jets. Uh, he said that he thinks it was the best draft out of all 32 teams. And he's clearly not a Jets fan. So I was happy about that. I was actually hoping to ask Ron this question, but I know he got disconnected. But um, I honestly did not watch too much Leonard Williams tape leading up to the draft because I really didn't think that we'd have a chance to select him, nor that we would even select him if he was there. So, but one of the criticisms that I hear about him is that he's more reactive than proactive on defense. He likes to sit and read rather than just going out and, and getting the quarterback, so to speak. You know, and well, people actually, like criticize that. He, I'm just saying there, there was that criticism out there. But Leonard Williams said in his introductory press conference that, you know, USC, the, the scheme of defense they played, it was more so that was what he was taught to do. So I wanted to see Ron's take on that. But well, actually, Kyle, you guys actually, actually, Kyle, we got, we got Ron back on the line now. Ron, we, we got a question from, from Kyle about Leonard Williams. Kyle, go ahead and ask Ron the question. Ron, um, hope you're doing well, Ron. Sorry about the troubles that you're having on the line. But, um... Leonard Williams, a lot of people criticized him, saying that he was more reactive than proactive on defense, meaning he kind of sits back and reads rather than just going out and getting the quarterback. And they said that he's probably going to be a great, you know, run stopper, but some people question his pass rushing ability despite the fact that he's still athletic. Now, there's that criticism out there, but I'm listening to Leonard Williams' introductory press conference with the Jets, and he said that that was more so, you know, a scheme type of thing that he was told that, you know, he has to sit back and read and then react. So I'm just interested to hear what you have to say about that. Because I honestly haven't really watched much tape on him because I never thought that we'd pick him. But I am overall happy with the pick. Yeah, I did hear that too. And I think with the, that the coaching staff at USC realized he was their best defensive player and that he they needed him to do a lot. So I think what they did was they put a lot on his plate in terms of you know reading and things like that. And With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, sometimes I think it, it causes him to hesitate a bit. So I think that what's going what's gonna to happen is when you know when he goes to the, you know to the Jets is they're going to tell him, hey, listen, this is what you're going to do. You know, be yourself, be the instinctual player that we drafted, and just you know. Um, get to the quarterback. And I think that when they give him that little bit and tell him how to play his schemes and how to, what play, gaps to play, he's going to be just fine. I don't think that's going to be an issue. All right, cool. How much of a percentage of defensive snaps do you think he'll play? That's my last question. 
Uh, geez, that, that that's hard to say. I mean, I, I think that what they'll do is they will have a rotation. I think that, you know, Leonard Williams and Sheldon and, and, and Damon Harrison, those guys will have a, a nice big rotation and will always have fresh legs in there. I think you will see some four-man sets, with, um, which is kind of scary, thinking of uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, Quentin Copels at the two DN spots, and Leonard Williams and Sheldon Richardson at the middle. You know, it's going to demand some double teams, which opens up some of our linebackers to blitzing. And that's right, that's Todd Bowles' strength. So I think that, um, you know, I think it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to put a number on it or a percentage on it, but I do think that he's going to see significant time you know, uh, just because of his natural ability. I mean, the, the guy is virtually unblockable. And the fact that the Jets got him at six was, was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, Kyle, once again, really man, thanks for calling. Col- yeah, thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Yeah, Ron, Ron, going back to the running backs, the uh, getting the Zach Stacy things like that, I mean, the Jets still lack that explosive running back. Were, were you kind of surprised they went that direction? I was, and the reason why I was is because, you know, although Zach Stacy, you know, did have the 1,100 yards, as I was speaking to before, before uh, uh, the call drop, was Zach Stacy is kind of in the same mold as, as Stephen Ridley. Um, you know, they're kind of the same back. You know, Stacy is shifty. Um, you know, he does make people miss, which is something that the Jets needed, but I think Stephen Ridley could do that as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, what they do there, um, I guess they figured that the seventh-round pick, whatever, whoever they were going to pick, is, wasn't going to be as good as what Zach Stacy could offer them. So I think in the spread scheme, you got to remember who um, Zach Stacy played for in St. Louis, our old friend Brian Schottenheimer, who you know, now is gone, but now Zach stacy has gone as well. But I think Zach Stacy in a spread system is going to give Changeli a lot of options, and so is Stephen Ridley. One thing you can't count on is that, you know, we've been very lucky with Chris Ivory not getting hurt. You know, you just don't know when he gets banged up who's going to come in and take those those three-down back rolls. Um, Steven Ridley could share the load with Zach Stacy. So, yep. you know, I, I just I, – I truly – I actually feel bad for Zach Stacy, and now I really feel bad for Trey Mason because every year they have a successful running back in the draft, they take another one the next year, and then they play them more than they play the other guy. So, so now, now it's poor Trey Mason. I mean, you know, he he's, he'll still get his rest, but I mean, you're going to Todd Gurley is a three down back. I mean, if he stays healthy, I, I really do feel bad for Trey. But um, you know, I, I do like the pickup of Zach Stacy just for a seventh round pick. You know, at worst case scenario, it doesn't work out. He did give up a draft pick. I understand that, but I, I think he's going to be good in, in Gailey's system. Before we go to callers, Rob, what's your overall assessment of this draft class? Were you were you like impressed by the selections? Were you do you see like a mold that Mike uh, Mike McCagna was shooting for? I'm not so sure I saw you know a mold per se, but I think what you did get to see as the draft went on is that in the beginning, you know, the first round he picked the best player available, and then I think he started and he he said he wouldn't go by need, but I think they had to factor in need to a certain extent. They didn't, they didn't reach for a guy because of the need. They looked at their board across and said, okay, these guys are all graded together. We need, let's say, in the fourth round, Bryce Petty. He's graded the same as a wide receiver. Let's take Bryce Petty. So I think that he did that, and that's kind of the way it's supposed to be. He, you know, I would have loved for them to have a few more picks, 
but, you know, I had no problem with them moving around a little bit. And, uh, you know, I thought for his first one, Mike McCagney did a very, very solid job. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's pretty much the assessment from everybody. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring on a, a caller right now. It's um, our good friend Seth, who's now a writer for TurnOnTheJets.com, so be sure to give him a follow and make sure you, you check out his writing on Turn on the Jets. Seth, it's Joe Tyson and Ron. How you doing, man? Doing well. You know, i got to say, draft weekend, I have to say, is probably one of the most fun weekends in sports. So it's always a pleasure and quite enjoyable to cover it and uh, just see how everything unfolds. I, I know it's probably my favorite event of the offseason. <laughs> it's it's actually probably more fun than free agency because there's so much so much more drama. It's just it's crazy to see how it unfolds. What's uh, what's your – you have a question for Ron? Yeah, I had a question for Ron. Um, Bryce Petty was ranked my third-best quarterback on the board. I feel like his natural arm talent is probably superior to that of Grayson and Hundley. Um, my question is, what sort of development, compared to Geno Smith, is Petty going to have to face? Because although Petty obviously maybe what was under a more extreme spread system under Art Bryles where there was only one read, Geno Smith also came from a spread offense, if I'm correct. Um, and obviously, you know, the success has not been tremendous thus far. Um, so when comparing the development that Geno Smith has to face or had to face and comparing it to what Petty, what do you think he's going to be experiencing, at least for Petty? That's a great question, and I think that I think that the transition in terms of understanding the concepts of Bryce Petty may be a little easier going from a spread in Baylor to a spread type of system with Chan Gailey as opposed to what Gino had to do. We're going from a spread system to a West Coast, well, a, a, a pseudo West Coast system that Marty Morningweg run ran. So. It's a very good question. I think that some of the – I know that Chan Gailey put him through like a mini install period when they when they met with him. And, you know, Bryce Petty mentioned that, you know, a lot of the, the concepts were kind of similar to what he did at Baylor. But, it, you know, it's going to be more advanced. It's going to be a lot more of, you know, uh, eye discipline and, and looking people off and setting up other guys. So I think that he's going to have a, a – he's going to have a nice learning curve here. Um, you know, maybe it'll, it'll take a year or two for him. But, listen, if the, if the Jets can handle doing it with Geno Smith and Brian Fitzpatrick this year, you know, that's ideally what you want. You want that kid to come along at his own pace, let the game slow down for him, give him a year in the offense of practicing, charting plays and doing things like that. That'll only help Bryce Petty's progression. And the thing that you know, I like the most about him, Seth, is that he's a hard worker, he's diligent, you know, he's a very, very intelligent guy, all academic player. So I think that he's going to pick things up very quickly, and he's going to be a sponge. He's going to take everything in. He's going to be a great teammate. You know, he's going to you know rely on Ryan Fitzpatrick tremendously, as well as Geno is going to. So I think that he's, he falls into a good situation here if he doesn't have to start, which we all know that's the way it should be. What do you think, Seth? Does that, does that cover your question? Yeah, that's, that's sufficient, definitely. Uh, it's just um, it's interesting. I, I don't want to put too much stock into the petty selection um, because I think obviously Gino is getting the you know it's already been announced he's getting the first team reps coming to the training camp. Um, but you have to wonder if McCagnan and Co. If this is an indicator that they just don't believe in Gino fully long term and. 
maybe I, I don't think we can expect Teddy to be uh, the starter for the future. I don't think we could put that much stock in a fourth-round selection. But it would not surprise me if they think perhaps Gino absolutely bombs this season. Fitzpatrick probably will not be on this team next season. And Petty, with a year under his belt, you know, studying the NFL offense, can compete for the job next year. And I'm going to assume we'll be absolutely bombing this year. We're drafting a quarterback in the first round next year because next year's quarterback draft might be pretty deep. You have Connor Cook, Cardell Jones, Christian Hackerberg. You never know who else rises up the draft board. So I, I just wonder if this is a subtle message to Geno as if, you know, we don't fully believe in you. And Petty is sort of our competitive insurance for, tw- for 2016. Yeah, see, my, my my take was that 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 little spark to Geno was the signing of Fitzpatrick. You brought in a guy that's familiar with Chan Gailey's offense. You know, he's been successful in the NFL before at a, you know at a decent level. I think that was the message to Geno. Like, listen, we're not going to sit pat with you. We're going to bring in competition for you. And I think you know Petty's an eye towards the future. But I mean, I don't think I think they're thinking they're hoping Geno pans out. If not, Fitzpatrick's here, and if Petty's great, not. But I think they'll probably draft another quarterback next year. I mean, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. I don't understand that. Like, it's like we talked about earlier. I don't understand that concept. I, I think, like you said, Fitzpatrick is the guy that they brought in to push Geno. And if Geno falls this year and Fitzpatrick's the guy, then you're either going elsewhere or you're letting Bryce take over if he develops. So that's just kind of how I feel about that. And I think that I think that Geno, like I said, I think he's working hard, and we'll see if he if he succeeds this year. We'll see if he finally gets it and the light gets on and he shows more confidence on the field and is able to complete throws and, and get things done. But I, I just I think that Patrick is definitely going to be the guy that's going to push him and possibly even take the spot from him if he falters. And just one more thing on the draft. Um, I loved it, obviously. Um, I thought it was fantastic how uh, McCagney was able to mix the uh, BPA, best player available with need, minus the first pick, but you're not going to pass another Williams who I had number one of my draft boards since the combine. My only criticism was, and I think this may have been mentioned before, was the trade back in the third round. Because, I mean, I like Lorenzo Molden. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a high-motor, high-character, productive edge rusher. I think he could be a starter maybe in a year or so. I like the player. I just feel like they're trading back. You missed out on someone like Eli Harold, who I feel like is a superior talent. Maybe Duke Johnson, who, you know, adds an element of, uh, you know, speed, and explosiveness in, uh, in in the running backs that we don't have, and I don't think that Zach Stacey necessarily fits that mold. So my only slight criticism was I feel like maybe we should have sticked at 70. I, I just think I got some extra pick or so because I really would have loved to see Eli Harold or, like, Duke Johnson or someone in that mold because it was a good chunk of players who I personally held in higher regard than Lorenzo Molden um, from 70 to 82. Yeah, and Seth, that's something that we talked about earlier on where, you know, we were sitting there as as the pick was coming up, and I'm like, man, you have Duke Johnson or Eli Harold sitting there for you. I mean, I wanted Duke Johnson personally, and then it's like they trade back, and I'm like, oh. And then as you wait for that pick them up, they, bo- they, they both go, and you're like, all right. And then but meanwhile, Ron's texting, texting me and giving me this raving review on Malden. So, you know, I think at this point you've got to kind of have some kind of faith in, in McCagna. But I, I hear what you're saying. It was just – Based on a need and the guys that were sitting there, it was just like wow. Like you just you thought it all come to fruition, then it actually they trade back. So it was kind of crazy. No, I agree. I, I completely, I completely still love the draft. Only a slight criticism. I mean, obviously, Nick Hagman knows a lot more than you and I. Um, and I have, and I, and I like the fifth round pick. 
um, that he got from the trade uh, because it's an old talent coming down to just character, motivation, and I feel like this is a great environment um, with Bowles and the talent on the offensive units of line uh, to, you know, lead guide this individual. Um, so I definitely like the player they picked at that fifth-round selection. Just just my own views, but it, honestly, I give the draft an A. I absolutely loved it. I think the reason why so many people love this draft is because it's been so long since we had a general manager that was not an accountant slash dean counter and actually had a pro personnel guy making the draft selections. In all honesty, the last person to do that was Terry Bradway. And it feels like forever since we had a really successful draft, and it just feels like we have adults in our draft room making adult decisions. So I'm just – I'm absolutely thrilled with the draft. Yeah, Seth, I agree with you. It's like you have a you have a personnel guy making personnel decisions, and you don't have to sit here and try to justify the pick. You're like, all right, that makes sense. Like, like last year there was some picks. You're like, all right, I could see it, and we spent 20 minutes trying to justify it. These picks, we just say, all right, that's cool. It makes sense. So I agree with you. It's exciting, and he, I think he did a, a very good job first first time. So, hey, man, it, it's now it's on the mini camp and training camp, and I think everybody, everybody's pretty much excited. So, Absolutely. Seth, thank you once again for calling in, man. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yep. And we will go to our next caller, and it is Kyler. It's Kyler. There's like five Kyles that call into this show. <laughs> Kyle, it's Joe Tyson to run. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? What's up? What's on your mind, man? Uh, I'm excited about the draft. I mean, we didn't get Mariota. Like, I've high on him since last year, but you know what? That's all right. I think it worked out in our favor. We got the best player available. And so about the second quarterback that I wanted, Bryce Petty. I like the Devin Smith move, and I love the Lorenzo Malden move, only because of his story and the motor that he has. I think he's going to turn out to be good. Yeah, do you have a, do you have a question for Ron about any of the picks? Um... If you don't, that's cool, um, man. We just want to see if you had one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't really think of one at the second. All right, cool. What we're, we're going to do is we're going to go on the back to Ron and go through some of the undrafted free agents and, and things like that. So we'll be live again on Tuesday, man. So be sure to give us a call. All right. Thanks. All right, Ron, we're going to go back. Just, you know, one of the biggest things is after the draft is over, you know, there's all these, you know, Steiny's very good for just identifying all the guys the Jets signed pretty much off the bat. And, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're unheralded, but they could make the team or could push guys at the bottom of the roster, like, a, say, like a Rontez Miles or any of these young guys, you know. What are your thoughts on how McCagan handled the, the undrafted free agents? Well, you know, I, I touched on it a little bit before that I, I really, really liked what, you know, you know, his direction there. I think that, you know, Theon Barnes from Penn State could have been a draftable player in the seventh. Um, you know, one one guy who you know a lot of people haven't really spoke about yet um, was the tight end they picked up from South Alabama, and that's Wes Saxton. You know, when I watched Brandon Bridge on film, Wes Saxton was the guy who stuck out to me because he's kind of the same type of tight end as Jason Marrow. He's not really an inline guy; he's more of a receiver. He's very physical. He, you know, he wins at the point of attack. So he's going to be kind of um, almost like a security blanket in case Amaro ends up getting hurt or you know anything like that. So that was a nice pickup. Uh, I think that what McCagnan did is he addressed 
some other needs that they may have not been able to get, like an inside linebacker with Taiwan Jones, another quarterback for um, you know for throwing sake, and Jake Heaps from uh, well three different colleges. He was at BYU, then went to Miami, then to Kansas. Um, but they, they brought him in as another uh, camp arm. And the guy who I really really think uh, the Jets are high on is uh, Julian Hauser from Clarion. Now Julian Hauser, who most people didn't really you know don't know about. Um, you know, he had 31 sacks in his four years in college. Now, granted, he, you know, he's playing at a smaller school, but I think what the Jets loved about Hauser is that he played as a down lineman, as at the end. He played as an inside linebacker. He played as an outside linebacker. So he's got some versatility, which will, for Todd Bowles, is like a home run. He can move him around, see where he fits best. You know, maybe he's, you know, a future inside linebacker. Maybe he's a future pass rusher. Who knows? But, you know, he's got decent measurables. Again, he had the production in, in a small school. And remember, you know, when we talk about schools, small school players, you always look to see if they were the best player on the field, you know. And um, obviously, I think I saw that Steiny tweeted something recently that the Jets signed him to a three-year deal. So, uh, you know, obviously they have some, some big hopes for him. And, uh, you know, they can see him developing to somebody who helps them in the future. Yeah, Ron, one guy that, you, that we're talking about undrafted guys, one guy that went undrafted that everyone's talking about for reasons off the field, Lyle Collins. I'm wondering, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about him and us once he gets cleared, once everything is squared away with him, if, if it's found out that he wasn't involved in any of the, the off the field stuff that he was supposed to be involved in and his name is totally cleared from that situation, could you possibly see the Jets signing him and how would he fit at right tackle? Oh, um, you know, well, obviously I had Lyle Collins as my fa- my top-ranked offensive lineman, and that kind of changed when this whole thing went down. It was very bizarre how his people handled this whole thing. Um, so it kind of brought up some red flags, and I think it scared teams away. And, you know, the way they handled him, you know, he's not going to sign a contract and all that stuff. You know, credit to the NFL for what they did with, you know, saying that's not happening. You know, if he gets drafted, he's going to think, you know, they're going to sign him. Um, but the thing with, with, with Lyell is that he's got so much position versatility. You know, he can, he can play a guard. He can play a tackle. You know, it's interesting you mentioned right tackle for him because, you know, I, I think that that may be a progression for him. I think that he may move. Uh, at some point he's going to play guard for whichever team picks him up and then maybe move outside if they don't have a tackle need. For the Jets, if he was there, I think he gives – uh, Breno Giacomini will run for his money because of his length and his athleticism um, at the right tackle position. I think he could be a future left tackle just because of his length and his speed and his athleticism. Um, you know, and he would be a nice transition from the Brickishaw, you know, maybe next year and Lyle Collins in the, in the future. But, you know, until all this stuff, you know, settles down and they figure out what the heck happened, you know, you know people said that he passed a lie detector test by an agency that he hired uh, you know, that, 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 that to me is like, uh, you know, ding, 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 like let's let's figure this out here. Uh, but once they figure out and the, and the dust settles in this whole situation, I think that he'll find somewhere to go and sign a three-year deal. And, you know, I think that the Jets would be silly not to, you know, not to look into him just because of his 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I mean, he's he you know, one of the top three, for most people, one of the top three offensive linemen in the draft. And for me, he was my favorite. And it just it, it bothered me that uh, that this whole thing happened. So you know, for for me, I think that they should take a chance. Um, again, like you said before, Joe, they have they have the you know the veteran leadership. This is a good position for them to be in. Um, you know, especially a, a young lineman who has some, some issues. Yeah, and exactly. Your take on him was exactly what I thought as well. I, I think he's a guy, like you said, that could play guard, but he could slide the tackle and. I think the right tackle definitely would be a fit here for him. And like you said, he would definitely give Greeno a, a run for his money. I'm thinking, do you believe that there's a huge market for him, or do you believe that this situation has just scared a lot of teams away from him, period, and they don't want to touch him, even if they could sign him? And could you also touch on the, the process for signing him? What is kind of the, the deal that you could possibly give him, if you have any take on that? Well, I think that, you know, it will scare some teams away, but I do think that there's going to be, you know, a lot once he gets cleared of this whole thing, I think that, or if he gets cleared of this whole thing, I think that a lot of teams are going to be asking for services. And, you know, one thing that I think, you know, the team got to be smart about it. So the team has to say, you know, listen, you got some off-field character issues. Whether, you're, whether you got off of that or not, it's the fact that the police were questioning you is enough reason to say we're going to give you a three-year deal at, you know, whatever it may be. You know, um, you know, I can't get a number on it right now, but it's not going to be a major contract. It's not going to be anywhere near what he would have made in the draft. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of like a, hey, listen, this is, you got three years to show us that you're, you know, you, you've improved, you've matured, that there's no off-the-field issues with you, and then after three years you'll get your big-time tackle contract. Yeah, and I think I think at this point all teams could offer the, the same amount of money. It's just now it's just a matter of where he wants to go. It's like a three year a three year deal with a max number that they can offer him, and, and that's it. So it's just now it's just a matter of where he wants to play. Um, Ron, the question I have for you is just staying on this subject. What's your evaluation of the Jets' offensive line now? I mean, they they added you know they added a draft pick. You know, they they added Harrison. You know, we had Carpenter. They you know, brought back Willie Clone. They, they have these guys. What you, is it still a concern for you or no? Well, I think I think yeah. I think it's going to be a concern until they figure out who's going to start at what positions. I think that you know James Carpenter could very well pick up that left guard position. I think that the right guard position is very much up for grabs. You know, we'll see what Brian Winters does. Odey Boucher. I mean, they've just got. <coughs> They have so much depth right now, and they're going to have so much competition. It's going to be awesome to watch the the battle going on to win those to win those spots in there. You know, I think McManigold is safe. I think the British show is good for this year. Um, you know, but I think they are going to start to look in, you know at somebody who could take his place at left tackle uh, in the future. And Breno Giacomini better be looking over his shoulder too, because you know they picked up some some tackles. Um, you know, in the free agency, and even the guy they picked up as an undrafted free agent, who's you know very long and physical, Anthony Johnson from North Texas, that can play tackle and can play right tackle um, pretty well. 
So I think that those guys are looking over their shoulders. So for me, it's absolutely still a concern. Um, you know, I'd like to see how these guys respond to being in the spread type of system where it's a zone blocking scheme. And I'd like to see who, you know, may the best man win. And I think that's what Todd Bowles and McCagney are set up for this. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. And we're going to go to a call, a caller, Jake, who wants to talk about the fourth round pick. Jake, this is Joe Tyson and Ron with Let's Talk Jets. What's up, man? How's it going, guys? With the fourth round pick, uh, I really don't have a problem with picking a quarterback. But do you guys think it would have been more beneficial for the Jets to trade the pick to either Tampa or Tennessee for either Glennon or Mettenberger? All you, Ron. Oh, yeah. Um... You know, I, I haven't been a huge Mike Lennon fan, um, but, you know, the Mettenberger thing is intriguing because I always thought that he was a nice pocket passer at LSU and that he was going to be that in, in the NFL. Um, so it, it's it's definitely, um, that's oh man, that's a tough question, man. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to think about. I don't think that, I personally don't think that Tennessee would give up Mettenberger now, uh, for, for especially for a fourth-round pick because, He's going to need to lead Mariota in teaching him Ted Wizard Hunt, you know, system. So I think that he's going to stay there. They're going to battle it out. Maybe they say Mariota's going to start day one. You know, I, I don't know if that's definitely the case. Maybe it is, but I don't think I can't. I don't think they can get rid of Mettenberger, knowing that you know Marcus Mariota is who he is, and you know he could potentially, if he doesn't take care of himself, get hurt. They can't afford to get rid of him. So I think that. They, they, the Jets moved up one spot because they knew that Cleveland was was itching for that for that quarterback, and you know they were aggressive with it and they got their guy. Well, I, the only reason why I asked about Mettenberger was because after the Mariota selection, uh, apparently his agency said that he wants to be out of Tennessee. So I figured maybe he was on the block. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if I was his agent, I'd want out too. I mean, you got the second overall pick and the Heisman Trophy winner coming in to take your spot. And the, the head coach just says, oh, he's going to start day one. Uh, that That is the worst thing that they could have done for Marcus Mariota and the worst thing they could have done for uh, Mettenberger. But, um, you know, it, that that's that's really a tough decision to make. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they do decide to trade him, but I just I don't think so. I think that they need him for depth. I need, they need him for, you know, a security blanket. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Jake. Yeah, Ron. So, Ron, that's an interesting take. And that was the same thing I had the minute they the minute they took Bryce Petty. I'm like, wow, that fourth round pick could have been Glennon, you know. And the thing is, you know, sometimes you know we talk about we talked about it earlier about the known versus the the unknown. Do you how much stock do you put into that? Saying like, you know what? Would you rather have a Glennon who has tape? He has NFL tape. You see what he could do, as opposed to a Bryce Petty who's you know relative unknown in terms of the NFL. Yeah, I think that definitely plays, you know, a factor into it is, you know, the the unknown, the unknown, the mystery of it. And I think that, you know, listen, I think Mike McCagnon was very thorough in everything. I'm sure he thought of all the different scenarios. Once Tennessee picked Mariota, I bet you he inquired about, you know, what what the deal is with, with Mettenberger and then what the deal is with Tampa Bay with, with Mike Lennon. And, you know, I guess they just decided they'd rather have – you know, Bryce Petty, who's, you know, he's built like an NFL quarterback. I mean, he has a tremendous, tremendous arm. You know, and I just, for me personally, you know, I think Geno Smith um, could potentially be better than what Mike Lennon could offer, especially in Shane Gailey's offense. 
Yeah, I kind of think so too. I, I just, you know, I like to stir the pot with things. The other, the, the the last thing is just just going back to Leonard Williams. I've written a lot of tweets on him. Um, in terms of, you know, people are saying, okay, don't trade Wilkerson, trade Harrison. And to me, I think that would be foolish for a couple different reasons. First of all, Harrison's probably one of the best nose tackles in the league. He's, I think he's underrated in my opinion. And he serves a vital role where he's at, especially in the 3-4. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you had to say which guy is more tradable, in theory, just, I mean, we don't want to trade either one of them, obviously, but if it was Harrison or Wilkerson, w- wouldn't you go Wilkerson? Oof. Yeah, that's tough. I, I just think that, listen, Todd Bowles knows what Damon Harrison brings to the table. And he's not going anywhere. You know, he, he Todd Bowles understands that with his secondary, he's going to be you know better against the pass. But they also need to stop the run. Now you take you take Damon Harrison out. Well, you like you said, I believe he's one of the better uh, noses and nose tackles in the game. And you trade him, and now you're relying on T.J. Barnes and a seventh round pick to play nose. It's it's too risky. I think that you know as much as I don't want it to happen, I think that if they were going to get rid of one. It would, it would probably be Muhammad Wilkerson. I also think that with if you traded Wilkerson, you'd get more return than what you would get if you traded Damon Harrison. Um, you know, I think with with the Jets, I think that bringing in Leonard Williams helps them actually with the Mo Wilkerson deal uh, because it does give them some leverage. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I think Bulls has a plan for this. Again, I think that they're gonna they're gonna show. Um, you know, Sheldon on the on the inside sometimes with Leonard Williams and, and uh, Mo on the outside. Then they're going to move, rotate Williams in, bring Sheldon out. So I think that there's so much versatility in this defense right now that, you know, it's got to have you excited as to what they're going to do. And to me personally, I would not – I wouldn't want to trade anybody, but I do think that if there was one person who was more expendable for Todd Bold, it would be Mo. Yeah, I think so, too, and you hate to say that. I think, as Jet fans, I think we need to embrace this year with everybody that we have because I think there could be a change or two next year that probably means that we don't want to see go. Um, Ron, before before we let you go, as we head into mini camp and you know, training camp, which is actually not too far away now, do you see any holes or any areas that Jets may try to fill with maybe either a free agent or maybe a guy that wasn't drafted? Somebody that you may – do you see a hole that you may want to try to address? I, th- I think that they have to they have to continue to address the safety position. I think that you know with with Calvin Pryor the way he plays, if, if he is going to you know he can get banged up. Are they going to have another guy? You know, Jaquan Jarrett, um, you know, had some some flashes last year. Who knows? You know, I don't know how his his fit's going to be with with the uh, the new system. And um, you know, Antonio Allen is Antonio Allen who he is. They did pick up Darrell Eskridge, but. You know, I think that that's one position in the secondary that, you know, I, I can see them maybe doing a little bit more. Um, there are some free agents still out there, you know, that they can maybe get, take a flyer on. I do also think they need somebody, you know, uh, in the return game. You know, maybe you know, Salim Akeem. I hate to say this, Joe. You know, he, he didn't look like he, he he didn't look like you know he was going to be the answer as a kickoff returner. You know, and T.J. Graham is laying in the end zone, so I don't think he's the the. Uh, the guy either. So I think that they can look to get somebody like that, maybe like some kind of speed guy, which, you know, again, like I said before, like the Mario Alford, who, you know, he can return kicks because he's, he's very fast. So, you know, I think those type of positions they can still address, and there's still some guys out there. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle this. Um, Joe, what do you got? Yeah, I, I was wondering, kind of getting on Ron's take on uh, Posey, 
What do you what do you think that he brings to the team? And is he a guy that could take Celine McKean's spot and become that kick returner and that punt returner? Um, you know, you know, he he very well could. I mean, he's an Ohio State kid. Um, you know, I think that the reason why I think that Houston kind of threw him in almost as a favor to the kid. I think he needed a change of scenery, and you know, coming to the Jets allowed more of an opportunity to compete. Doesn't bode well for the receivers they drafted last year. Um, you know, with like Shaq Evans and things like that. But you know, maybe who knows? Maybe they try Posey out there, and, and that's what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks when you know, when mini camp and training camp rolls around. Is you know, who are they using in these spots? And maybe they don't have to go out and get somebody else. Yeah, that, that that's very true. Um, Ron, before we let you go, first of all, thank you for your time, especially on a Sunday night and after looking all the, over all these Jets draft picks and undrafted free agents and everything else. Uh, before we let you go, give everybody your information how they can give you a follow. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at, at Coach Ron Scouts. Um, again, you know, I'm, uh, I like to interact. And any questions you have, whether it's undrafted free agents, um, Jets draft picks, any other draft picks, which – you know, I've been I've been having very high praise for teams like New Orleans and Cleveland. Um, I thought Minnesota had a great great um, draft as well. So I've been answering a couple of questions about those guys. So if you have any questions, any concerns, um, yeah, feel free to let me know, and, and I'll get back to you whenever I can. Ron, once again, man, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. I'm sure we'll we'll catch up with you down the line as the Jets get in the training camp. Absolutely, guys. You know, I apologize for those those two little. Uh, Phone call problems, but um, I'm looking forward to training camp. That was the that was the ghost of Salim Hakeem getting pissed at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take care, Rod. All right, guys. Thanks. I, I had to, I had to get one dig at you, Joe. I'm sorry, man. People <laughs> <laughs> just keep taking shots, man. We'll we'll see what Salim does this 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 season, man. We'll see if he makes the squad. We'll see if he develops. <laughs> Are you talking about the Jets squad or somebody else's? Oh, okay. We're already going there. All right. <laughs> but um, in, in all seriousness, no, Ron did a great job of breaking down all our draft picks, things like that. There's obviously a lot of things to talk about. And, you know, for for everybody listening that's going to be listening to this, we're, we will be doing a show this Tuesday as well. We just want to kind of get an instant reaction right after the draft to, you know, get Ron's thoughts and just, you know, share our initial thoughts as, you know, it just happened and everybody's pretty excited. So, Definitely want to thank Ron for that. And, Joe, that's my question for you as well. What we ended with Ron was, do you see any glaring holes as we go into minicamp and training camp? Yes. Um, like he spoke about it in the safety position, you kind of want to see if they can bring someone in there because, like, like exactly what he spoke upon, Calvin Pryor, the way he plays, he's going to get banged up. Um, and he, So this year, if they're, moving him, if they're moving him into that strong safety position where he's just going to be flying around, and smacking guys like everyone's saying that he's going to do in this game, he's definitely going to, going to take his hit. So we kind of have to see how we address that. I'd also like to, even though we have Zach Stacey, even though we have a, a backfield <laughs> pretty filled up, I'd like to see if they can just go find a guy, an uh, undrafted guy, that has some speed on him and just see where they feel that with. I just feel like we still don't have that speed back. We, even though we got a bunch of Swiss Army Knife guys, and, you know, like we said, it's in and Ivory and Ridley and Stacy and, and Richardson even still is on our practice squad. That's a guy I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him as well. But I still want to see us get that that blazer or that speed guy and see if we can, you know, put him into the thing. But that's pretty much it, just safety and maybe going after speed running back. 
Well, if you wouldn't have, wouldn't have traded back your pick and took and Duke Johnson, we wouldn't have this conversation. Hey. But hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so hey. no, I agree with you, and that's the one thing. And you know, the speed kills in the NFL, and that's that's no that's no secret at this point. And that's why I'm excited about Devin Smith. I mean, he has value. Also, you know, you gotta you gotta think. You're hoping that Jeremy Curley gets some space more open. He can utilize his skills more, and they can maximize his potential. That really. He was kind of lost. In, he was just kind of lost last year for a variety of reasons, you know. So you're kind of hoping things like that, and you see what happens. But I agree with you. I'd like to get another running back. I mean, I mean we already have five. I mean, it, it's already a lot, and I think Richardson could be the odd man out, unfortunately. But it would be nice to see another dynamic playmaker somehow. Yeah, definitely. And and I'm I'm exactly the same thing you said about Jeremy Curley. I'm looking to see him succeed too. Um, like like you spoke about, I think a lot of it to me at least was just a lot of our play calling. I think a lot of our play calling last year, there was just nothing to get him involved. I, I also want to see the emergence of Jace Amaro. This is the yep. year where I want to see Jace show up. I mean, he was he was pretty decent last year, even though they only gave him like two or three routes running. He only had like a couple plays. He was still productive. Um, but I want to see Jace take a big step forward this year, and I want to see him be that big, red zone threat, that guy that is a nightmare matchup for linebackers and the the uncoverable guy that I believe that he can be. So Jason Morrow is definitely on my board as a guy that definitely should show up this year, and I want to see him show out. I think he will. I mean, let's not forget that the addition of Brandon Marshall is going to mm-hmm. open up things for people as well. And actually, I honestly think the play calling of Chan Gailey will will take advantage of some matchups too, where I think we didn't do that the last two years. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, like I said, we will be on Tuesday night, um, obviously, to keep talking about this. And we have a lot to talk about still with the whole Mo Wilkerson thing now that's becoming a story, unfortunately, that I think is going to be well, – he's going to be here this year, but I think this story is not going to go away anytime soon. So we'll cover that. We'll take all your calls and everything else. But before we let you go, Joe, share our Facebook page and everything else that you do. Yes, absolutely. Our Facebook page, search Long Beach Joe. Um Friend us. We have tons of discussion on here. We had debates about the draft on there. We got everyone commenting left and right. So, Jets fans, please find us on Facebook. Again, it's Long Beach Joe. You can also follow me on Twitter at YoungJ000. That's three zeros. Please follow me. Comment. I comment back when I can. Troll me if you want to troll me. I'll troll you right back, too, and we can get there on that level. You can also watch my videos on YouTube at YoungJ00. That's two zeros on YouTube, three on Twitter on my YouTube, man. Please subscribe. I do videos about the Jets. You can comment there. And you can troll me there, too. I have no no issues with that. I'll troll you right back. <laughs> I'm all about the trolling, Dave. Let me tell you something. I'm a man of the people. As I always say, I love all the listeners, every single one of you. Okay, just know if no one else loves you, Joe does. Okay, and when you see me, it's hugs. Hugs for everybody, man. Open arms. I will wrap these big arms around you, and I will make you feel loved, okay? I care about every single one of you. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> that still cracks me up. Well, again, thank you. we want to thank our listeners. We want to thank Ron Pickett for joining us tonight. And like I said, Tuesday night we'll be live again, talking more draft and mini camp and everything else going on with the Jets. So thank you for listening, and we will talk to you on Tuesday night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.